the Catholic Channel Sirius XM 129 presents Just Love with your host, Monsignor Kevin Sullivan, Executive Director of Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of New York. Welcome to Just Love. I'm Monsignor Kevin Sullivan. I'm here with Tom Dobbins. This is our weekly conversation about what's going on in the world through the prism of our Catholic values and our Catholic wisdom. You know, sometimes tradition can hold you down because sometimes, you know, people kind of keep on repeating the past and it can be a little paralyzing sometimes. On the other hand, it can be somewhat liberating when it gives you a basis. And so our Catholic faith, which is basically a Christian faith, is some 2,000 years old. So we have a tradition, which is not four minutes old, but goes back 2,000 years. Also, what we say when we look at what's going on in our contemporary world through our Catholic values, our Catholic tradition, our Catholic legacy, what we mean is, so what is the wisdom built up over 2,000 years that enables us to say, hey, Here's an issue that's going on in the world right now. But what does the wisdom of believing people over centuries tell us about how we should look at what's going on today? And that's kind of what we mean by tradition. One of my favorite kind of expressions to talk about the difference between tradition that is paralyzing and tradition that is liberating is kind of a little cute phrase that tradition, which is good, is the living faith of dead men. Traditionalism, which is bad, is the dead faith of living people. (laughs) And it's kind of a cute phrase, but it's a way that we kind of think about an institution like the church and about how it should be um, something that is liberating, that is freeing. and But the tradition, in another sense, to use a non-theological term, should also keep us from going off the rails. Mm. In other words, it does provide a some balance, it provides some uh, guidelines for doing, for, for doing that. And another thing, Tom, the two other things which I think are important to kind of say about our Catholic faith is one, is that we most oftentimes talk about both and. That there's a part of Catholicism which, yeah, this is good, and this is also good. Not that they are contradictory, but sometimes they can be in a little bit of tension, but it's not all one way or all the other way. And I'll give you you one of those classic examples is we talk about uh, grace and nature. We say grace builds upon nature. And what that simply means is in trying for our human race and us as human beings to kind of get through our earthly pilgrimage, it's both about God's presence and God's assistance, which shorthand we call grace, And it's also about our humanity kind of doing our part, that we're active in it. That's our human nature. So that it's not only God's grace, and it's not only our human action, but it's both God's grace and our human action. A little bit of my own little kind of complaint, my complaint, Tom, so it's just me. 
some of the translations of some of the prayers recently, not recently, but in, you know, now they kind of say, well, it's God alone. And I think that's a little bit extreme. You know, God made us with dignity and God made us with um, a lot of, of ability. And, and so that's part of it. So anyway, Tom, I went on too long and we have um, some great guests. And so I want to go to our guests and let's go to our first guest. Um, our first guest is Sammy Ravello, who is a retired lieutenant of the New York Police Department. And he's president and founder of the Dominican Veterans of America. Sammy Ravello, thanks for taking the time to being with us on Just Love this August day. Well, the pleasure is my Monsignor, and it's an honor to be speaking with you, sir. Great. So why don't you kind of give our listeners a little bit of your background? So when you when they listen to you, you're not just a voice on the radio, but <laughs> they have a little bit of a sense of who you are, where you've been, what you're up to, and a little bit of a background. Okay, yeah, I'm going to try to be as brief as possible with that, uh, 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 the many things that I came. I came into this country when I was 14 years old from the Dominican Republic, uh, landed right here in the Bronx. And, uh, you know, um, after graduation, I joined you know, the military. Sammy, I'm going to have to going to have to challenge you. OK, sir. I didn't think I didn't think you could be legitimately from the Dominican Republic if you didn't land in Washington Heights. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you one true story. One out of every three people that live in the Bronx is Dominican now. Well, that's uh, now. That's yes. Now. Correct. Correct. Uh, I believe my parents landed in the Heights when they came. <laughs> OK. All right. Now, you, now you're legit. Now you can yes. Go. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, well, you know, um, after uh, after graduating from uh, high school, I, I joined our great military. I always wanted to serve in the military in our country. And I got the honor to do that. And uh, Sammy, where'd you go to high school? Walton High School in Kingsbridge area in the Bronx. <laughs> you yes. know, my, my many, many years before you, I'm not 100 percent certain, but I think my dad went there. Many, many years ago. Really? Yeah. That, yeah. that, that is amazing. That is amazing. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. It used to be an all-girls school, um, I'm told. So okay. I, so uh, could right. be, it could be the, brother, the sister or the brother school, uh, Clinton. Could be. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. I'm, you're right, Sammy. He went to Clinton. <laughs> I knew uh, it. I knew it. That yeah. was the brother school, the sister school, if you will, you know? Yeah. He, yes, he uh, went Walter there not to... only before you were born, he went there before I was born. <laughs> 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 yes, yes, indeed. So, so we have that, uh, I guess, in, in common that general area. Yeah, uh, joined the military right there in, Wal- in Fordham Road and um, in 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 the Bronx and Bronx and Grand Concourse and um, right uh, right around the corner from Alexander's. That's right. That's right. Right there. And uh, I, I was happy to fight in the uh, the first Gulf War. Okay. Um, when I returned, came back right here to the Bronx. Uh, went to Bronx Community College, and then I joined the NYPD. And the NYPD, I did all kinds of things. I was an undercover for three years. I worked in internal affairs. I worked in um, Vice. I worked in Fugitive Enforcement Division. I retired as the Special Operations Lieutenant of the 46th Precinct uh, in 2019, you know, after serving 20, little little over 26 years. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, very happy. Uh, for the service that we did, we brought one of the most violent cities in America. We, in those 25 years, 
we brought it back to being one of the safest, biggest uh, cities in America. Something that I'm very disheartened to see what's happening now. You know, I actually, you know, seeing some of the issues that were faced, I ran for Congress, was not successful. And I also ran, ran for Bronx Borough President. I'm not in politics right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of like uh, what you call a recovering politician. But <laughs> Sammy, wh- which, which, which district did you run for? Uh, I actually ran for Bronx Borough President, the entire Bronx. Okay. You know, well, how about uh, the Congress? Which con- Congress? Uh, District Sixteen. Uh, that was that uh, Jamal Bowman ended up uh, the eventual yeah. winner. You know, we yeah. had a very spirited deba- debate, but I was kind of running as a as a you know moderate, you know common yeah. sense uh, Democrat when I ran at the time, uh, only because I seen some of the things that are, that are, that that had been happening, especially on the aftermath of the aftermath of, uh, you know, George Floyd, you know, uh, that really changed uh, a lot of the perceptions of law enforcement. And it actually changed uh, some of the laws. They actually decided to change some of the laws, which in my opinion has not made us safe. So, uh, you know, I've been very vocal about that, you know, since I retired only because I think it's, it's, it's my duty to say so because I don't think there's enough people saying, saying that some of the policies that, you know, have we've changed uh, are actually affecting folks that look like me. It's supposed to have be helping me, but I don't believe it is. So, uh, you know, I'm going around the different districts right now and uh, it's speaking to that. And at the same time, I found that what you call the Dominican Veterans of America. You know, there's been over 60,000 veterans that have come from the Dominican Republic that have served in our armed forces. And I want to be able to tell their story or our organization wants to be able to serve their stories and bring some of us together while helping every veteran as a general. Any, any, anybody that's a veteran can know right now they can join our organization. But uh, we want to tell the story of the Dominican veteran. Quick story I can tell you, Monsignor. One of the Stiggy Airmen was born in the Dominican Republic, and uh, we're very proud of that. So Who was? That's something that Who was? His name was Esteban. Otes, and he was born in Mocha from the Dominican Republic, and he was a Tuskegee Airman, the only Dominican-born Spanish-speaking Tuskegee Airman uh, uh, or member of the Tuskegee Airman. So, you know, that's a wonderful story that I believe a lot of our folks would like to hear. The youngest member of the New York delegation, the youngest soldier, um, if you will, to die in Iraq and Afghanistan was a kid named Luis Moreno from the Dominican Republic uh, and died at 19 years old in Baghdad. And uh, fighting for our liberties and freedom. So, you know, those stories we want to be able to tell and, and, and tell the folks that, you know, we are part of the fabric. We want to tell our youth that, listen, America belongs to you. Let's cherish it. Uh, let's not exploit it. And um, and that's the message that we want to send. So, Sammy, I got to ask you, got to ask you a question, though. I said, OK, you got 60,000 Dominican veterans. Is that more or less than the number of Dominican Major League Baseball players? No, that's uh, that's way more. Yes, way more. I'm I'm kidding you, Sammy. <laughs> well, you know, you, you made me think for a second because there's so many that have. I know. Played baseball I know. We have to pause. We'd, we'd have to we'd have to stop Major League Baseball if you know, Dominican baseball players. Yeah. Yes. 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 Indeed. So um, you know you're Dominicans. <laughs> so, so Sammy, again, let's go back a little bit, and uh, yes. I know there's a lot of politics and there's a lot of stuff going on in this but you know from your experience as twofold one somebody who grew up in community in new york city in the bronx and somebody who was kind of had the both the honor and the burden the responsibility of making sure that our communities are safer as a police officer 
Um, what are some of the things, you know, without being overly political, let's just be analytical, that you think some of the things that maybe have changed, which aren't helping our communities to be safer? And what are some of those practical things that we should be doing to make our community safer? Um, you, I mean, you, you're talking about the police or you're talking... Uh, well, you said there were some changes that have... Oh, okay, okay, yes, yes, yes. That's yes, what I'm, I'm talking sorry. about. Yeah. Yes, well... Uh, for one, they uh, they they passed a diaphragm bill that really scared uh, um, a lot of police officers uh, in the sense of how you conduct yourself when you're gonna effect an arrest and you're gonna put your hands on an individual. You know that gave a lot of police officers pause because if anybody that is familiar with law enforcement knows that it doesn't matter the smallest person wants to resist a police officer is gonna take multiple people to affect that arrest right you know so um you know um the i'll you know some people be- have the belief that a police officer uh it, it's a one-on-one situation when, when it comes to a police officer and a criminal no police officers get paid to get back to their families at the end of the day right. so if it takes five five police officers to bring a subdued an individual then it's going to take five police officers policing is not pretty you know when you put a camera on police officers trying to keep people safe, it's not going to be look pretty for the camera, you know, but they're doing what they are supposed to, you know, and uh, unfortunately, you know, that was one of the changes that, uh, you know, had an effect, but I believe the biggest change was bail reform. Bail reform change. It it was a game changer and it was so bad. The original bill that it only took them six months for them to start trying to fix it. Right. That's how bad it was, Monsignor. So, you know, they, they started fixing it and they're still trying to fix it. And everybody's pointing at each other. Everybody's pointing the blame. Everybody make, making empty promises. But at the end of the day, you're going to have kids that look like me, young kids that are African-American, young kids that are Latino, you know, that are getting hurt. And the families uh, of these uh, of these victims, you know, are the ones that are suffering. You know, I, you know, every single day in New York City, there is some minority kid that's doing harm to another minority kid. And nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to say the truth. But it is well, the truth, you know. Well, you know, but, but Sammy, I can tell you something that, you know, sadly verifies that is, you know, we work with a lot of kids at Catholic Charities and variety of, of programs. And, you know, one of our agencies in the Bronx was working with a family and, um, you know, tragically, one of the siblings in that family, you know, is one of the kids who has been picked up and accused for, you know, shooting somebody in, in, in the Bronx. And so it, and so now the family is impacted, everybody's impacted. Um, and it's, it, as you say, so much of the crime is negatively is hurting communities of color and people yeah so it's a real it's a real challenge you know that is that is there um so you know i appreciate you you pointing that out because you know and again i mean i'm going to just say the obvious i mean <laughs> whether it be priests or whether it be police there are some bad apples okay yes yes and, absolutely and and sometimes we go overboard in trying to make sure we protect ourselves from the bad apples, that then it makes it harder for the good apples to do their job. So I understand that, but it, but it does create some challenges for keeping our city safe. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and, and going back to what you said, the course correction has been devastating for our right. 
you know, our community. It's been so bad. And, you know, I just want to say, you know, we have a mayor that's trying. I, I really believe in the bottom of my heart, because if he wasn't, I'll be calling him out. He's really, really trying, you know, and but he's falling. It's falling on deaf ears when it comes to state legislation. So bad that I walked from the Bronx to Albany uh, a month and a half ago trying. Now, now, now Sammy, hold on. For yes. our listeners who <laughs> may be in other communities throughout the nation. Yes. Um, we're talking about close to 150 miles from New York City to Albany. So when Sammy says he walked, it's not like he walked three blocks to the neighborhood <laughs> store. So go on with your story. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I walked. It took me eight days to get out there. I'm no, I'm no young buck, obviously, you know, but I, it was during uh, Crime Victims Week. And I, you know, I let every single, you know, legislature know that I'm going up there in order to bring attention to our crime victims. It has nothing to do with bail reform. It had nothing to do with, uh, you know, it had to do with let's start keeping in mind our crime victims when you legislate, when you come up with these, you know, legislations. Because I think we're going, we're going a little too far into, you know, trying to uh, appease the criminal element because of some certain injustices or certain you know, um, I guess uh, allegations of misjustices that that's have, has happened. I'm sure that they have. But uh, anyways, I try to bring that attention. But, you know, when I got up to Albany, only a certain group of politicians, I wanted to see the mayor. I wanted to meet the mayor because that's something that's done often, you know. And uh, I, I was very disheartened to, to know that, you know, I don't think that was in the agenda of any of the local politicians. But are we going to keep pressing on? Because, like I said, we're creating victims by the day in this city if we don't change, uh, if we don't change uh, the way we do business. So th- thank you for what you're doing and, and thank you for, for your service. Let's shift a little bit. Tell me a little bit about your work with the Dominican Veterans of America. Right. So we're a newly formed uh, organization and it came out of, uh, you know, wow, you know, me looking around. I'm a member. I'm a life member of the VFW. I'm a a member of the American Legion. But, you know, I saw other organizations uh, that had their, you know, um, their fraternal and they fraternally can come and discuss, you know, their service to our this great country. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I saw that, wow, we, we don't have one. But And I noticed a monument, a Second World War monument of, you know, 250 Dominicans that served. And uh, it's inside Bronx Community College. So, um, uh, you know, I decided, you know, maybe I should uh, form some type of fraternal organization and start telling our story as well as everybody else. You know, the Irish, the Italian, everybody that comes from somewhere else and comes and embraces this country. And serving, I believe, and, and paying the ultimate price for that, I think it's something that we should all honor and we should all tell that story. So one of the things that we're doing right now, we're going to have our first golf outing uh, this Monday coming up uh, in Spring Lake, you know, to uh, in order to raise funds. What we're also doing is that uh, we're tr- we got a street naming for Luis and Ramos. I mean, hey, Sam, Sammy, let me interrupt you. Do you yes. need a caddy for your golf thing? That was my <laughs> that was my high school job. I was a caddy. So if you need you know, a caddy, I'm, I'll, I'll volunteer. I got to give the credit to the vice president, uh, Juan Abreu. He's the, he's the avid golfer. He was the one that came up with the idea. We all just, you know, uh, followed along. And uh, we've, you know, we've gotten, you know, uh, we've gotten a few folks that are going to come out and, and, and show their appreciation. This is going to be in, in, in honor and memory of uh, Esteban Otes, our Tuskegee Airman. And, um, you know, we, we're also going to get a street naming. One of the things that I spoke with the, Bronxboro president was that I want to get the name of every single 
uh, Bronx uh, uh, um, killed in action, killed in action since 1973. Anybody that volunteered for our military that was from the Bronx and got killed in action, I want to have a street named after them. Doesn't matter where they're from. You know, uh, it, it, right. I think it's something that it's doable. It's like 17 names. I spoke to the Bronx Borough president. I'm, I'm hoping not to get any pushback because believe it or not, you do get pushback on things like this. Yeah, I know. I, and it's sad. But yeah. I believe that, you know, I think it's something that's doable. And we're, and we're going to also go to work on a veterans monument, Bronx veterans monument somewhere in the Bronx. These are the two things, the initial conversation that I had with the Bronx Borough president. And, you know, we have other things that, you know, as, as we go along, we would like to carry charities. We want to we do some um, some food uh, distribution in, okay. in the VA hospital. Perhaps ca- we can partner right. with Catholic charities and do that. We'd, you know? we'd, but, love, um, we'd love to do it. So let me ask you just an informational question from me. Um, you know, we know, I would kid you a little bit about Washington Heights and, <laughs> yes. and that. If we looked at the whole United States, is is it the New York area where the very highest concentration of Dominicans are? Yes, we have one million in the city of New York. Five hundred thousand, half a million of, of those one million live in the Bronx. So the Bronx has roughly one point eight million folks living here right. in this great borough. Five. Almost a third is Dominican. So we have the biggest concentration of Dominicans outside the Dominican Republic, just right here in the Bronx. And, and how, many, how many in other parts of the country, Sammy? Well, uh, I believe the number is two and a half million in the whole okay. United States. Okay. All right. Um, um, so that's great. So next year, I want an invitation. I I want an invitation to the golf tournament next year. Oh, yes, so, indeed. Yes, indeed. I'm not a good golfer, but I, <laughs> I can hit the ball a little bit. So, uh, uh, Sammy, let me just say a word of thanks to you for the work that you're doing in so many uh, different areas. I mean, both of those areas are very, very uh, important, very valuable. Uh, so So thank you for the work in kind of raising up the value of uh, Dominican veterans and all veterans and kind of looking at the issue of how, how does crime affect our communities, particularly some of our poorer communities. And so um, I thank you for that. Before I let you go, you've been generous with your time. Is there um, anything, um, anything else you'd like to kind of share with our listeners before you go? No, that, you know, uh, it is very important that the folks that, are sitting on the sidelines right now and not, you know, really expressing their displeasure with the way, you know, the shift that our city's going to is specific, specifically with public safety, you know, to let their voices heard, let, let, let the, let the elected officials know, Hey, listen, we, 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 we like our police officers because believe it or not, the majority of the people do, it's just, they're silent. The folks that don't like our law enforcement, they're just very loud. They're very few, but they're very loud. So that's one thing that I would like if anybody that's listening, uh, just make sure that you let them know. And hey, listen, we support our police officers and we would like for you to also show that support. You know, Sammy, I'm glad you said that. And and to be to, to be fair, I mean, I think one of the reasons why we do this Just Love radio show every week is because, again, from our kind of our Catholic Christian perspective, we think that we should participate in the items that impact our communities. We want to impact them in a way which is both compassionate and just the way we do that. And, you know, my reading of the times that we live in on too many issues, one that we've talked about today, but on so many other issues, um, 
we really do have extreme positions that people are taking on a variety of, of issues. And most of us who kind of can see some truth in both of the extremes, but they're not the whole story, you know, sometimes feel paralyzed because, you know, a, a, a position that tries to compromise or to take a position that is not extreme, yeah, sometimes doesn't get much hearing. And so I think what you said is very valuable. And, you know, part of our thing is to encourage people, raise your voice, express your opinion, whatever it is, and don't be frightened off because, you know, other people may be shouting louder or more often. No, raise your voice and, uh, and let it be heard so that, you know, together we kind of form policies and ways we act as a society that really do kind of foster the good of good of everybody. So, Sammy, thank you for your work. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you, my senior. And uh, obviously, my time is yours. <laughs> Great. Sammy Ravello, retired lieutenant, the New York Police Department, and the president uh, and founder of the Dominicans Veterans of America. Tom, I think we will take uh, a break. Just love. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself. And our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. We'll be back in just a moment on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. Just do it. Just love. Just check out Monsignor Kevin Sullivan, who's here right now. Take it away, Monsignor.
Welcome back to Just Love. This is our weekly conversation about the church in the world. We look at what's going on through our perspective of our Catholic social teaching, and we try to make ourselves smarter about what's going on in the world and how we can lend our voice, our actions to trying to make that world more just and more compassionate. We speak about a variety of topics, and um, today we've spoken a little bit about crime, and now we're going to talk about what I consider to be a very, very important topic, how we treat all the people in our country, and for various political reasons, we have different jurisdictions. We all think in the United States of only states, but we also have some territories, commonwealths, all these different different things. And sometimes we treat people who are actually citizens of the United States in ways that are different. And so I'm delighted that we're going to be speaking for a little bit with Father Enrique Camacho, um, who is the executive director of Caritas Puerto Rico, whom I consider uh, not only a colleague, a friend about some of the things going on in Puerto Rico, but particularly some of the decisions that are a decision that was made um, by the Supreme Court on the uh, ability of people in Puerto Rico to claim certain benefits. So I'm delighted that uh, Father Enrique Camacho has given us the time to be with us. So um, uh, Father Enrique, thank you for being with us on Just Love. Thank you, my senior. So let me let me first, you know, I, I'm not violating any HIPAA laws, but are you okay? I know you were in a car accident. I hope you're I hope you're you're better. Yes, I, I am doing much better. I I was with COVID in May. And it uh, it was really hard on me, uh, uh, so I got uh, post COVID really really difficult. Uh, uh, so because of that, I had a car accident uh, because so I I had to stop uh, working for two weeks. Uh, but now I am feeling much better. I I, I took uh, three weeks on vacation. I was on Spain. I did the Camino de Santiago. So, so I I am back here in Puerto Rico uh, with with new forces. Um, well, all the batteries charged. Great. So, for our listeners, I mean, this is a radio show, but in our COVID environment, we do it by Zoom for our radio listeners. So, I think what you need to know is, as hardworking as Father Camacho is. Right now, I'm looking at him with this gorgeous beach in the background. He just <laughs> looks so relaxed there. But I know he probably has put in a 10-hour day already today. But it's a very relaxing scene to see him. And I know you, our listeners, can't see that. But I just wanted to share that uh, with you. So, um, so Enrique, um, let's go to the... Uh, to the topic here. We can talk about other things too, but tell us um, kind of what is one of the things that's of concern to you about a Supreme Court decision that was made maybe about, oh, three or four months ago. Uh, give our listeners a little bit of a background about that. 
Yeah, of course. Uh, this decision is about the SSI benefits to to the people of Puerto Rico. Um, there was this case, uh, this person that lived, she is Puerto Rican, uh, Baelo Madero. Uh, he lived around 40 years in New York City. And, and he paid all the taxes, he, he paid everything. Uh, uh, so, 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 but he decided, as a lot of Puerto Ricans do, uh, where uh, the, oh, most of them, even they live in New York or in other states, they, they always dream to come back to, to their island. So right. this person comes back to Puerto Rico to, 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 to pass here uh, his last days. And it turns out that uh, he, uh, the Department of Health doesn't want to give him them, sorry, this, uh, he, he's not allowed to receive SSI, benef SSI benefits because he is living in Puerto Rico. Because Padre, Padre Enrique, for the sake of our listeners who may not be as up to speed, could you tell them a little bit what SSI means? Yeah, it's the supplemental benefits of the social security that persons who are uh, elderly can receive uh, different type of, 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 of aid, like uh, having person coming to their houses to receive uh, aid, health services, uh, supplemental services for the persons who, who are engaged in the social security, for their social okay. security. Okay. Okay, thank you. Now, please tell us about this gentleman who lived in New Jersey for a while and then went back to Puerto Rico. So tell us more what happened. So, yeah, the Social Security decides, decides that he's not uh, capable of receiving the, uh, these benefits, these supplementary benefits of the Social Security because he doesn't live in a state, because he's living in a territory. And the territories are not allowed to receive uh uh, this benefit. So he 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 goes to uh, uh, he he sues uh, and he's go he goes uh, to the courts uh, asking for for these benefits. Uh, so the thing is that the Supreme Court decides that we are not allowed, even though we are U.S. citizens, to receive these benefits just because we are we are not living in a in a, in a state because we live in a territory. So, but I think that that's a really unfair decision because this person, for example, is a great example. He was, the, the Supreme Court decides that because we don't pay taxes, we are not allowed to receive these benefits. But this person paid all the taxes and just because he moves to a territory, now he will not be able to receive the benefits. But the person who has been living 40 years in Puerto Rico and moves uh, to any state just needs six months to receive all these benefits. So I think that that's discrimination to uh, US citizens, no? And, and in my case, uh, it was really a sensitive uh, issue because I lost my grandmother uh, a few months ago. Uh, on, on February, and it was really difficult for my aunt that she had to take care of my my grandma. Uh, she had to sleep in in the hallway because she, we didn't have 
enough money to have nurses 24 hours. So, so it was just my, my aunt and the family doing whatever we could to help her, but it was really difficult because my grandmother had cancer. Right. And, and what is ironic is that my grandfather was in the air in the army for working for 40 years in the army. He's a veteran from the second world war, but she anyway was not available to receive these, these benefits because she lives in a territory, you know? Yeah. So, so, so that's, yeah. that's for me is something really, really unfair. So thank you for raising it up. Thank you. And I'm so glad that our listeners are hearing this. It's important that they, that they, uh, that they hear and they understand this. So the Supreme Court decided, okay, that it was okay to deny benefits to people in the territory of Puerto Rico. Is that what their decision was? Exactly. They, yeah. they, they decided that uh, it's okay for, for, to, for, to, uh, for the people that live in a territory to be treated different from the people uh, that live in a state. And they say that the reason for that is that that we don't pay taxes. Okay. So as we don't pay, we don't pay, pay taxes for 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 because we are a territory. So we are not allowed to receive all the benefits that a person who lives in a in a in a in a state does. So but, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about that in a minute. But but I wanna before I ask you about that. But is there a remedy to this? I mean, the Supreme Court has decided. Could Congress pass a law saying that they should receive the benefits? Yeah, it's a remedy. What the, 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 the court say, said is that the, the Congress can change the law. So President Biden uh, submitted uh, a project to, to the Congress uh, to change that and to allow the Puerto Ricans to receive it. And it was really sad that uh, a congressman from the Democratic Party was was the person, uh, Mr. Manchin, was was uh, was 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 a key player here because uh, he didn't vote for this, and because of he didn't uh, his his uh, decision not to vote for this, the the law was not enacted. Uh-huh. So so it's really really sad that people. Uh, also understand that, uh, that we are U.S. citizens with, and we should receive the same treatment. Uh, and and I, I don't know, don't remember exactly where yeah. he is, uh, a congressman, uh, uh, Mr. Manchin, but but uh, he should have family, right? So so I would like to invite him to meet my family and to see yeah. that we are people like your, but like their family. <laughs> so and so, we need to be treated with 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 yeah. with. With respect, right. right? So was was the was the bill a kind of a standalone bill that that was the only thing that was in it? Uh, what what? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, this the President Biden uh, uh, presented a law to to extend the benefits of SSI uh, yeah. because the process in the in the court was uh, was at the same time, uh, but but he. Uh, wanted to to make the law, but but the the thing is that then the court decided we are you are not uh, able to receive uh, the, the benefits right. with a decision that I don't I don't agree. 
Right. Because yeah. I think that that's in, that interpretation is not correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the the court says, okay, you right. need to you need to to change the law. But right. anyway, the the law is not going to change because we don't have the votes. Right. Right. You know, again, just for our listeners sake, which I think most of our listeners know, is that it does take um, for most things, it does take 60 votes in the Senate to pass legislation. At the moment, we have such a divided Senate that there are 50 Republicans, 50 Democrats, and it's very difficult to get anything through because since it's a democratic administration, they generally propose things and then the Republicans decide they're not going to support it. Sometimes the Democrats can get it through 50, 50. It's just a whole mess that is, um, that is there as, as father Henrique pointed out, but you know, Enrique clarify for our listeners because you brought it up the question of taxes. Now, do the people in Puerto Rico pay taxes? No, no, we don't pay taxes because we are a territory. Okay. Part of being a territory is that, that we don't pay uh, federal taxes. We, we pay different local right. taxes, state taxes, but we don't pay federal taxes, right? Okay. So, so but that, as I said, uh, this case in particular, does it, 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 I think it's really unfair because yeah, because person who have not paid any tax but just need six months to receive the benefits. So it, it, it's something that is, is I don't understand. Yeah. That. I'm just asking you for information. I'm not asking for a position. But has there ever been kind of proposed bills or legislation would say, okay, we want to, we want a law that says we're eligible for these benefits and okay, we're willing to pay taxes because of that. Is there any talk of kind of a bill that includes both? Well, um, right now there's, there's a project There's something more important. I think that even that this is a project to to enact the people of Puerto Rico to vote for a definitely to def- decide which status we want to maintain in Puerto Rico. Right. So this project uh, is mostly from a congressman from New York, uh, Ocasio, uh, and uh, the, uh, the other from New York, um, uh, what's her name? Um, Nidia Vasquez? Nidia, Nidia Vasquez, yes. <laughs> Nidia Vasquez and, yeah, and um, Mr. Grijalba. Right. So, so along with, with our resident commissioner, uh, Jennifer Gonzalez, they presented uh, a bill uh, to uh, ask the Congress to, to let us decide which uh, status we, we really want for Puerto Rico. Okay. That's very important. But right now it's happening the same. There's a lot of uh, congressmen right now that has said that they are not going to vote in favor of this uh, project uh, for different reasons, right? right. Maybe uh, uh, I don't know exactly all the reasons. And, but... it aren't, yeah, and, and aren't I correct 
in knowing that the issue of the status of Puerto Rico uh, is there's not unanimity even among Puerto Ricans as to what would be best. I mean, it is there. There's more than one position on that, isn't there? Yeah, the thing is that really there's there's different, of course, different positions. People who want to be a state, a full state. People mm-hmm. who want to maintain uh, uh, relationship uh, as Commonwealth, but but even them, they they want to change that. To, right. to 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 improve the way we have this relationship but because and and people also that want to have a, a republic you know right. uh, an independence so right. so so we have mostly uh these three types of of, of right. opinions but the thing is that uh what is everybody agrees is that we have to change what we have right now right. Right. even right. The, the 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 people who are part who believe in the commonwealth they they know that it's really difficult like this for some things we are uh treated like as any u.s citizen in a state for but other things we're treated like a foreign country so it's something really uh ambiguous that is is also very uh difficult because doesn't enable enable us to have uh, a better economic situation uh, to to prepare a good plan for economic economic development uh, yeah. to to have uh, a, a better quality of life I think right. so yeah. I think that it's really important uh, for the people to to decide yeah. what what we 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 want uh, is is the choice of the people but but the Congress should should let us decide right yeah. but I think that that's not going to happen. So, Father Enrique Camacho is the executive director of Caritas of Puerto Rico. I am delighted. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. And I am really, really glad that after a little bit of a rough period with COVID, a car accident, I'm glad you got a little bit of time off now that you're back at work, 10, 12, 14 hours a day. But thank, thank you so much for being with us on Just Love. Thanks for allowing us to hear of a very important issue. And most importantly, thank you for the work that you're doing for some of the people who are really struggling and needed in in Puerto Rico. So, and you know, you're always welcome in New York. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Monsignor. And thank you and all your staff for always uh, helping Puerto Rico and, and wanting the best for us. So it's, it's a blessing. Have, I, as you said, I feel you're not just a colleague you're my friend and and uh i have family in new york the family of catholic charities new york (laughs) great thank you so much tom we'll take a break just love just love god just love your neighbor just love yourself and our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate we'll be back in just a moment on the catholic channel sirius xm 129 
Now, let's get back to Just Love and your host, Monsignor Kevin Sullivan. Welcome back to Just Love, a weekly conversation about what's going on in the world. And even though we talk about big topics, we also want to make sure that each of us as individuals, our listeners, me, myself, Tom, all of us, we don't think those things are too complicated that we can't do our part. So that's why we say every week a number of times, just love God, just love your neighbor, just love yourself. And if the six or seven billion people in our world, if each of us did that a little bit more, we wouldn't have to talk about all these big topics. Because <laughs> if all six or seven billion of us loved God, loved our neighbor, and loved ourselves better, we'd have that compassionate and just world that we don't have, but that we strive for. Now, one of the things that Tom does, in addition to booking such great guests for us on Just Love, is he kind of works with a lot of national Catholic organizations that are doing that big work of raising up issues of justice, trying to look at the policies uh, throughout the nation and even throughout the world, and to figure out how, from our Catholic perspective, we can advance that cause of justice. And as I say, uh, these professional do-gooders, they get together every summer to kind of try to share their ideas, grow a little bit of in their awareness. And Tom has been doing this for the past, oh, 10, 20 years of Mm -hmm being part of this, one of the leaders in that group. So, Tom, share with our listeners, um, you know, the, the, that work. Tell us a little bit about the organization that pulls it together, your role in it, and about your recent meeting. Sure, Monsieur. Well, uh, I, I, I'm blessed to serve on the uh, board of the Roundtable Association of Diocesan Social Action Directors. And what um, that group does is it tries to provide a venue for best practices uh, for uh, people who do uh, the work of broadly construed uh, justice and peace across the country in, in archdioceses and dioceses across the country. And, and we just had our summer institute, which um, we, as you mentioned, hold every summer, uh, the Social Action Summer Institute. We held it this summer in St. John's University in, in Collegeville in Minnesota. Uh, and it was really just a wonderful opportunity for us to get together. We had we had about 70 uh, social action directors kind of gather uh, in Collegeville, Minnesota, a little off the beaten track. It was at St. John's University, which was a beautiful space. And we had a number of, of really excellent speakers come in and talk to us. Um, we, had, um, uh, we had Bishop Mark Seitz of El Paso kind of come, and he talked with us a little bit about his work down on the border and, and, what, and what he's been doing down there. We had a a former Just Love guest was here, Ms. Sharon uh, Levenier, who you may remember was uh, the founder of Rise St. James, which is the grassroots organization that fights for clean air and clean water down in Louisiana. She yep. was our Harry Fagan award winner. So she okay. came and she spoke to us a little. And we also had what was neat. We actually did this. We had the screening of a movie called The Magisterium of the People, the story of the people's pastoral from the Catholic Committee of Appalachia. That was presented by the uh, the guy who did it, Sebastian Gomes. That was really very interesting because it was, and it kind of is very, honestly, it was very timely because you know now we're talking about 
you know, all of this kind of clean energy bill and what's going on. And, and Senator Manchin was mentioned earlier today. He's from so West Tom, Virginia. We got, uh, has he been a guest on our show that Sebastian Gomes? No, he hasn't. No, but we, we, we should definitely have him come on this year because it's really, it's a fascinating story. And I think, as I said, it's very timely. I don't think uh, it'd be a good idea for us to show the film on our show because <laughs> well, it might not, we it might not play too well on radio. Exactly. We could do that one senior, but pe- but our listeners may have a hard time seeing it. But uh, right. but other than that, it was really it was it was really special. And as you said, we kind of gather together and 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 we share best practices. Hey, Tom, are, kinda... you still, are you still on the executive committee of that? I am. I am. Yes. Yeah. So for our listeners, Tom's a little modest. He's been part of it, but he's also been a leader in that of of convening it, pulling it together. Let me ask you this. Um, Tell any any talk about how people are viewing you just mentioned kind of the bill going through Congress, which has a bunch of different pieces to it, but it's got some climate stuff that's part of it. I think that there was a feeling, Monsignor, that it was a good it was a good bill, but not a great bill. I think, right. you know, you'll realize a lot of folks were saying that, you know, they're very concerned about climate change, obviously. And I folks who didn't think it was it was far enough. But then I think there were other people there who said politics is the art of the possible. So I right. think what you need to do is you need to kind of move ahead with what you can. Maybe you can't get everything you want, but if you get some things you want, you know, you're batting you're batting 500, you know. So right. I think I think there was an understanding of that. Hey, Tom, in, in a broad sense, are there any um, any issues that um, that kind of rose to the surface on the concern of the kind of social action people throughout the country that, you know, may, might have been a little bit uh, that you said or somebody might say, oh, they raised that issue. I'm, uh, th- that's good. I'm a little surprised. I didn't think about that. Any, you, know, any- you know, I mean, I, I, I think the issues that they were raised were kind of ones we would be, you know, kind of familiar with. Migration yeah. is a major issue. The environment is a major issue. I think divisions, Monsignor, a lot of folks are very concerned about the divisions that we're experiencing. Right. And I think that, you know, we were kind of all commiserating and, and just trying to say, how do we get our work done in such a divided culture yeah. and such a, in a way, divided church? So I think there's a lot of concern about that. So I think that's one thing that kind of rose up. Tom, that's good. I'm glad you raised that up. It's it's uh, I'm hearing that a lot, um, and I'm hoping that the conversation about it is going to lead to some ways that we actually deal with it, as opposed to lament it. And uh, but, listeners, thank you for being with us on Just Love. Just do it. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself. And our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. Join us again next week on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. You're listening to the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.